Blog Talk Radio. Let me tell you about something new. A new show called G's Power. G's Power. Real talk for real saints. Are you ready? And it's for real. Welcome to G's Power Hour live every weekday at 11.30 a.m. on Never Had It So Good Entertainment Network. Your host, G, will bring you informative and entertaining guests and a variety of topics in a way that you can absorb and enjoy. Listen in weekdays and call in at 516-387-1944. We love interaction. All shows can be downloaded if you miss one or found on iTunes the next day. G's Power Hour is powered by Never Had It So Good Sports Media Network. Good morning, brothers and sisters, kings and queens, angels and saints, ladies and gentlemen, TGIF. Thank you for joining us today on G's Power Hour. I've never had it so good entertainment. I am your host, G. You can tell I'm just like uh, over the moon, I guess you could say, or whatever about, about it being Friday. But it's a busy weekend, so it'll just fly by like almost every other day. But just you know, thanking the Lord that we're all here today. So, we, yes, we did not do it last week. We usually do the economy on the first Friday of the month, but it was a holiday weekend and stuff like that. So, you know, we're get, still getting you caught up on all things dollars and cents here in uh, the United States and around the world. And we welcome back Paul V. Shelton of Warwick Shore. How are you, sir? Good morning. Good morning, Gretchen. I am doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm blessed. Thank you very much. So... Let's get started. Lots to talk about. Um, so I'm going to let you take the lead. What what, what okay. do we hit on first? All right. So you know, I will touch on our on the um, on the jobs report really quickly, and then I want to make that introduction to um, to James um, as he is logging in now. But uh, okay, this this month, as we typically do, and as I always say, that my favorite economic indicator is the jobs report. And, you know, it was typically released on the first Friday of the month, but because of the data and the way the calendar is set up, it was unable to be released last Friday, so thus we have it this month. And it looks like the number was a little bit better, you know, than expectations. And it's it's allowed for, you know, the market to to digest it in a positive way. Um, The non-farm payroll employment rose by 372,000 in the month of June, and the unemployment rate remained at 3.6%. So, and consistent to what we saw the last several months, the, um, the the major sectors that led the way were in the professional business services, leisure and hospitality, and healthcare. And, and we know, you know, those last two, the leisure and hospitality and healthcare, are is something that is very, very prevalent in the Central Florida economy. So it's good to see. Uh, we're having strong job growth in that area, which also could play a little bit into um, our real estate conversation that, that, we, that we'll have and, and hopefully provide somewhat of a backdrop for real estate in um, the state of Florida um, as we are seeing, you know, some changes take place, you know, on the economic front with the Federal Reserve raising rates. So overall, this was a um, just give a quick synopsis. This was a, a very positive, very positive jobs report. Um, it's something that you know us as analysts we're, we're looking for to be good. But where we are currently in economy, we don't want the jobs report to be um, extremely hot or extremely cold. We want it to be kind of lockstep in nature because if it is. Uh, one of the other extremes, then the fear of a recession comes in or the fear of overreaction by the Federal Reserve to take hold. And that's something that that we don't want. So it looks like this jobs report on the surface is moving in tandem with how the Federal Reserve has been positioning itself uh, with raising rates and tightening monetary policy. So all in all, it's been a positive so far um, today. And so that's that's what I wanted to throw in a little bit about the job support, and we can touch on that a little later. But I do have a guest with me online today um, by the name of James Rivera. He is our credit union um, manager that we have hired to, to um, help lead this ship that we're navigating through on these financial waters. 
He comes to us from uh, South State Bank with a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of information, and extensive history um, in the banking industry. Um, not only, you know, just from the financial experience and the experience with, you know, serving clients and, and leadership roles in banking, but he's also, you know, a, a really great guy. He's also a personable guy, and he, he's great to talk to. Um, he's a family man. He's great, you know, he's been great with even meeting my kids and, and other individuals at the church. So just to give you an update from where we were last month, we had our official soft opening that took place for the credit union, the Unity of Eatonville Federal Credit Union, back on June the 17th. And since then, we have hit the hit the ground, and we've been running at a million miles an hour and um, opening up accounts and, you know, adding the services that we want to add and, and we're doing really well, and we're getting prepared for our final, uh, our grand opening, I should say, which will take place at the completion of the renovation of our of our current building. And, and we're looking forward to that taking place um, around the beginning of September. So without further ado, I want to turn it over to James and, and let him, you know, say a couple things about what he's done so far, his history, background, and, and whatever he, else he wants to add about the credit union. Mr. Rivera, good morning. Welcome to G's Power Hour, and thank you for your time. How you doing? Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone else doing today? Doing well. Doing well. Thank you for taking awesome. the time. Well, so, no, thank you I, uh, for the <laughs> opportunity. Well, I mean, I, I know, like you said, hitting the ground running, there's a, a lot going on, especially with something that's uh, uh, new and fresh to the community. So tell us a little bit about uh, what your, your plans are for uh, Unity of Eatonville. Well, thank you again for having me. I'm, I'm so excited to be part of such a, an incredible en- endeavor and actually a historic endeavor for um, Eatonville. Uh, I'm I'm blessed to be a part of such a great team with Paul and the rest of the executive board, um, the Church uh, from Macedonia, initiating this initiative, and it's exciting to see what our future holds because it's bright and exciting. And who Eatonville, who Unity of Eatonville FCU is, is you know we're a a credit union who um, just received a low-income federal community charter from the NCUA, and the vision came from Serve Macedonia, from the Missionary Baptist Church, um, and, you know, he, he, he initiated the groundwork, and so we're excited to be a part of the community and allow this community to know that we're here for them. We're excited to see them succeed. We want them to succeed and we're open to hearing from them and seeing the best way we can service them. Thank you. So what is the criteria? I know usually, you know, membership is kind of one of the key components of, you know, a credit union. Can you tell me what the criteria is for those that may be interested in uh, opening an account? Sure, sure. As of now, right now our criteria is going to be if you live in Eatonville, If you work in Eatonville, if you go to school in Eatonville, if you worship in Eatonville, you are part of our membership. You are part of the criteria um, that allows you to be a part of Unity of Eatonville FCU. We're looking to expand that in the near future um, where we will be able to reach out to a greater uh, capacity. But as of now, um, we're looking at the the town of Eatonville and excited to have them come on board. if you're part of Eatonville, we want you to be a part of Unity. So what is the criteria in terms of, is it just uh, regular consumers? Are you allowing business accounts as well? That's a great question. That's a great question. Right now, what we're starting off with is our um, savings accounts. Um, in order to open the account, you have to have a shared savings account with us. The minimum is going to be $15 to open that account. Um, but at the moment, what we're just starting off with is the shared savings accounts. Um, and as we continue to go forward, once our building is complete, um, we're expected to have the ability to offer checking accounts and then continue to add different services and products um, that you would find it 
any other credit union or any other bank, um, you know, from certificates of deposits, um, lending like unsecured loans, um, new and used auto loans, um, you know, online banking, debit cards, all those wonderful services that um, financial institutions offer. Okay, and tell me, what kind of partnerships do you have in the community right now? Right now, for me personally, I am partnered with um, Macedonia, and I'm looking to continue to grow that um, partnership. Um, we are looking to get with the chamber. We're looking to grow with the different businesses and meet different business partners here in the town of Eatonville. Um, I'm getting out there to meet everyone. I'm new to the community in that regard. I've lived here in Central Florida for about 20 years. Originally grew up in Brooklyn, New York. Um, my family was smart enough to get me out of there when we were young. But um, I love being in the middle of a city. I love being a part of uh, a wonderful community as Eatonville. And I'm excited to meet those people in Eatonville who um, will be a huge part in our success. So what, what do you have, let's say, in terms of a goal by the end of the year for the credit union and for the town of Eatonville? Well, um, the goal is to bring on as many members as we can. We're hoping to be over maybe 200 people um, who are members of um, the credit union. We're building a base, um, a foundation, and, and thankfully uh, Macedonia has been a huge part of that where uh, the staff and the members of the church have come on, and um, I have appointments set for, gosh, every day for the next um, two to three weeks here with people coming in to open up their accounts. Um, they're excited about what Unity is going to do for the community. They're excited about being a part of something that is going to be uh, historic, and their the expectation is to have, gosh, uh, I would say, in the next 18 months, we would love to even see another branch opened um, close by or in a position where we would allow for other people to be a part of Unity. That sounds great because I'm sure once more people hear about what you're doing, they're going to want to be become more involved. And the fact that you only need $15 really is, is um, <laughs> you know, a <laughs> definite draw for a lot of folks. Um, definitely, so, definitely. Um, and so what type of features will you have? Will you at some point have uh, – I, I know right now it does, you, you kind of, uh, I, I would say, a little bit landlocked, but at some point are you looking at maybe expanding a facility to include like a drive through or anything like that? Well, like you said, we are kind of landlocked here when it comes to um, adding that. Um, I think there's the ability to add it. We would just have to see if um, that's something that's feasible. But we're definitely looking to um, allow the opportunities for people to still um, come through with ease, uh, make deposits after hours, um, before hours, things of that nature. Um, but the the hope is to expand even greater with another branch, another location, so that people can um, go closer to where they are or, um, you know, let people know that there is more than just one branch. Okay. And now, can people do direct deposits? Um, they can. They can. Uh, we should have actually have that set up here in the next couple of weeks um, okay. where we'll, we would be able to allow them to make those deposits into their savings account. Okay. Okay, so the direct deposit would go into the savings account, and, and then um, can you have multiple savings accounts? That, I guess that's one of the things, too. Oh, absolutely. I, I, the reason I ask that is because I know for myself I have just my main savings account, but – I have another one that I created that um, certain certain one of my bills, my primary bills, come out of. So um, I was just curious in terms of being able to to I guess customize it and take, tailor make your account to suit you. 
Oh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you you can have as many um, savings accounts as you want, and just like any other credit union or bank, you know those um, ACH withdrawals that come through, they'll be processed, um, you know, with accuracy and um, immediately to make sure that there is no interruption with paying bills and things of that nature. We we welcome um, the direct deposits and the 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 setups for. Um, the payments like that, it just allows us to to continue to grow in that manner and um, having people use the uh, savings accounts more and more, which would be amazing. I know you have to go. Uh, what is the contact information, and is there any other last uh, details that I may have overlooked that you want to make sure everybody knows? Well, um, they can reach us at um, 689 Seven one zero six zero two seven. Again, that was six eight nine seven one zero six zero two seven. That is the um, line that they can use to directly meet with um, to meet, to contact me. Um, we also have another landline of four zero seven six three seven five six five seven that they can call and use. Um, you can hit us up at Twitter at Unity of E F C U, or if you're on Instagram, look us up at Unity of Eatonville F C U. We're on there as well. We're getting things started with social media. We want to blast the community and the Internet and let them know that um, Unity of Eatonville is here, and we want there to be a legacy that is built here in Eatonville. Well, congratulations for for your efforts, and and welcome to the community. And um, we look forward to the, the growth that um, hopefully Unity of Eatonville will spark in in the community. So we really appreciate your efforts. So thank you very, very much. much. Thank you, Gretchen, for Uh, the opportunity. I totally appreciate it. We appreciate it, too. Talk to you again soon, hopefully. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Come up for air. (laughs) (laughs) For sure, for sure. For sure. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. Uh, James Rivera, Unity of Eatonville, um, the credit union has opened up in the town of Eatonville. We're going to take a quick break. This is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Over the past 60 years, Dove Beauty Bar's superior formula has remained unchanged. But when it comes to beauty, everything changed. Together, we redefined beauty. We said no to stereotypes and yes to every type. We let go of judgments and embraced what makes us unique. We're proud to have been there with you, caring for you every step of the way. Here's to the next 60 years. Hi, I'm Tim Garris. Uh, You may know me as Timmy G. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's been two decades, but I want you to know I'm back in the Arklatex, and I've got a mix of music that can help you relax and chill out. It's smooth, it's relaxing, it's chill-out jazz. The soulful mix of smooth jazz, soul, and smooth R&B. So join me every Wednesday night, 10 p.m. to midnight, on KHAM Radio. Are you chillin'? Hi, welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. And if I can get my fingers out of the way, I'll be fine. Um, we are here talking about the economy with Paul V. Shelton of Warwick Shore. We're also, because Monday was a holiday, we asked our, our mortgage guru, Jabir Najir, to join us from Rajon Mortgage to talk about uh, mortgages right now. Jabir, are you there? Good morning. Yes, I am here. Good morning, Gretchen. Thanks for having me again. Thank you, thank you. Um, I enjoyed the last time we had you both on at the same time. Um, let's talk a little bit. Uh, we, we, we still want to talk about some other stuff in the economy, but uh, let's let's hit the housing market really, really quick. Um, Jabir, can you give us an update on those lovely mortgage rates? Yeah, so we've been pretty much steadily increasing with the rates since March. Uh, sometimes you may hear you know, in the news, depending on what uh, outlets you listen to, where rates are dropping. But the thing is that when you look at any chart, you know, there's days that things go up, days that things come down. The overall trend still is up. I am definitely hoping that we've hit a peak. I know uh, late last month we hit a, we hit a, we, we, 
the rates increased above 6%. Uh, as of today, it dropped a little bit below 6% as the national average. I, need, I know for us, we still have rates in, you know, depending on the day, of course, in the high fours to low fives. So we're able to get a little bit lower than the national average for conventional rates. But you may have a couple of days where things go down and then it starts to increase again. I know as far as today goes, or yesterday and today, looks like rates are starting to tick back up a little bit. But, you know, I don't know. I can't say that they won't start ticking back down in a couple of weeks. But the overall trend definitely is up still. Gosh, I'm so glad I did my nagging wife role and we got to sign it. So, uh, okay, uh, more jobs, but uh, more stuff to pay for. Uh, in terms of yeah. the mortgage rates. What about, um, are we starting to see anything like an uptick in, in either foreclosures? And um, you don't hear much about um, short sales that much anymore, but do you see that occurring with any type of increase? Well, as far as the foreclosures, me personally, I haven't, but the numbers do say have indicated that the, um, there's an increase in foreclosures. So I'm not sure if these are foreclosures that were put to the side from the pandemic when everybody had the forbearance um, right. agreements and maybe after the forbearance, situations change. Sometimes, you know, depending on the individual, you've actually may have went the full term without, you know, you stretched it out to the last month without making a mortgage payment. So you do have certain homeowners that their balances may have increased anywhere from 20 to sometimes 60,000 over the course of, you know, the last couple of years when they have to pay the mortgage. Keep in mind, it's not just the mortgage payment, that's mortgage, interest, taxes, insurance, if the mortgage company is paying that for you. So the mortgage company says, hey, you, you have X amount of dollars in, in the arrears. Um, let's go ahead and pay, catch up with those payments in the next six months or 12 months or 24 months. And most of us say there's no way I could pay back $40,000 in addition to my mortgage in two years. So that's where they'll go and try to work out a forbearance. But sometimes the forbearance payment doesn't work for the homeowner. The banks can only stretch mm-hmm. things out, but so far they can't you know, say, okay, we'll stretch out for 70 years. So they want to mm-hmm. go ahead and collect those funds within a certain period of time. Now, certain banks, they may put a certain amount to – as a silent second mortgage, but at the end of the day, that's really dependent. It really depends on that particular bank. If they're willing mm-hmm. to say, "Hey, you're thirty-five thousand in your arrears. We're going to put fifteen thousand on the current mortgage that you have to catch up in the next, you know, by the end of your thirty-year term, wherever you may be in that term, and then there's going to be the remaining balance that we're going to put to the side that will be due in a lump sum in twenty years. So. That's up to a particular bank if they're willing to do that, but certain banks, and I, you know, I don't really want to say this is happening for everybody from foreclosure, but mm-hmm. I'm just giving a scenario where it may not work out that the person that has not been paying their mortgage, they are not able to work something out with the, with the bank. But in addition to that, um, there is a uptick in either hiring freezes for companies or layoffs. Um, it's in the very beginning stages of layoffs. Um, mm-hmm. I know a couple weeks ago in the tech industry, you know, I've, to be honest, I haven't actually been keeping up with it every single day. So um, I don't know the up-to-date numbers of, for this week, but I know a couple weeks ago there was like 17,000 layoffs in the tech industry. Um, yeah, Paul, I know do you, retail, know, you know about that, Paul? I do. So there, there has been a wave of layoffs at tech companies um, specifically, and that's, you know, pairwise correlated to what we've seen in the stock market, actually, with valuations of many tech companies and growth companies being squeezed and, and pushed to the limit. Um, I believe, you know, there's no tech company that has been immune to it, um, even seeing it as one of the largest, you know, tech companies that we consider in Tesla announcing layoffs and, and other companies under there, you know, with Salesforce and, and many, many companies. So I agree with Jabril. We're right there in, in that in that arena. So And I think you Nexus know, oh go ahead. Uh, no, no, go ahead, Jabir. Well, I was gonna quickly say that I think retail is gonna come next. Um I know that a lot of big retailers have have definitely uh mentioned that their inventory is up but demand is low. 
is lower. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think retail may be the next to to have the wave of layoffs or hiring freezes at least. Well, I know we were already having an issue with, with retail beforehand. Um, and one of the things I know, noticed these, is because, because I do um, a little retail in the evening, um, one of the things I've noticed, I do, do online, we have a slew of people canceling stuff, uh, and largely it's because of the supply chain issues. Uh, that that we're seeing with that, um, we're having a lot of people that are like, uh, you know, I, I, you know, ordered this, expected to get it next month, maybe the month after, and you're telling me it's going to be October, um, <laughs> and I need something before then. You know, I had had someone last night. It's like, you know, we ordered these chairs back in March. They're te- you're telling me they're not going to be here until you know August or October, or whatever, and we have nothing to sit on now. Right. My thing is go get a cheap chair until they come in and just, you know, donate the chair or something after that, whatever it is. You know, uh, it's, it's it's amazing to me how much people just, you know, cling to, to stuff um, like, it, you know, that like their lives depend on it, but, you know, and, and don't look for alternatives. But it is, you know, we're seeing a lot of that happening from my perspective in terms of cancellations uh, due to supply chain issues. One of the things that I wanted to ask um, you about, Paul, is one of the things that I'm hearing is that uh, the money is not necessarily turning over in the economy the way it it was. You know, people uh, have some people have saved up some of that money that they they got during uh, COVID and are not really spending it that much. Is that correct? Uh, I haven't seen any data to, to really speak to M2 money or the circulation of money that much. Um, I actually hadn't focused on it recently. So I could say that um, on the surface, on some of the things that I've seen from a global standpoint, is um, a lot of things that really drives, you know, the dollar that moves around globally is travel, mm-hmm. um, leisure and travel. And I can mm-hmm. say from the standpoint of a U.S. citizen viewing it um, international travel, that has not returned, which we expect should return because we're near the pairwise level with the U.S. dollar and the euro. But we have mm. not seen um, U.S. citizens travel abroad like we have seen historically in the past before the pandemic and things of that nature. With that being the backdrop and looking at it from a macro level and coming down micro, it's very possible that that circulation of dollar um, could be changing. You won't see that M2 flow as much because of the, the lack of international travel, which then in turn means that we should be seeing a, a rise in the circulation of dollars within the border. Um, but I, I just haven't seen that as of yet. So if they're not spending it on international travel, then, um, Jabir, are you seeing, like, let's say, are, are, are they spending it on buying the homes? Or are we seeing uh, an increase in the number of mortgages, maybe, uh, people just, you know, keeping um, the dollars close to the home base? No, mortgage applications are, are down both for purchasing and refinancing. Uh, are people still refinancing? Yes. Are people still purchasing? Yes. There is mm-hmm. still a need. Um, however, the demand is definitely lower. Um, there are some of it is just because some people may be sitting on the sidelines. They do have cash, but they're sitting on the sidelines, and some people just have been priced out the market. Um, when they, even though they were stretching themselves to purchase a home at today's home, what the prices of homes may be in your area, in their mm-hmm. in their area, when the rates start to increase, it really starts to price people out of that out of, out of the market. Um, in addition and to that, they're and okay. I was going to say, it's not just the rates. Um, we've got insurance issues right now. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, you, that, that is really, um, you know, making people struggle. And then, you know, the, the thing is, people used to say, well, okay, I can't buy anything right now. Maybe I will wait a little bit and, um, you know, purchase something later. I'll just go rent something. Rent is almost as ridiculous or more so <laughs> these days. Um, to, to, so, I mean, it's almost, it's like, why would you consider renting? I'm, I, I've heard, for example, um, rent for a one-bedroom apartment, it's, I thought I heard $1,700 a month for a one-bedroom apartment. Now, I could be wrong. But my thing is, 
that is more than what I'm paying for my house. <laughs> you know, uh, why actually, I would depending go out on what area. Spend, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, depending on what area you're in, I've heard more than that for one bedroom. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, it's gotten pretty crazy in a very short period, period of time. Yeah. So, so I mean, and, and that's going to, unfortunately, I think, impact um, our homeless situation, too, right now. So um, even if you have more jobs and, and hopefully, hopefully some salaries will have gone up, that's the, that's the thing. Um, Paul, can you tell me anything about uh, wages? Are, you know, are we seeing, I know there was this shift at one point in time to say, hey, you need to move the minimum wage up to, to $15. Um, have, did, I know some people did. I've seen signs in some windows that people did that, um, you know, move, move it up. Some of them not so much to $15, but they did do, show an increase. It did. Have we seen more of that happening recently? Um, what kind of impact does that have? Because I've also heard um, in the past that if you start doing increases in wages, you start cutting back people. And I was wondering if that's why the, the layoffs are being triggered right now. Yeah, so it, it is a balancing act that you you must have um, when you're seeing wage inflation or you're increasing the minimum wage in totality. Um, we we talked about it before. You know, if you have a, a registered nurse that's making thirty dollars, and and someone that's working um, at Bank of, of America as a teller that's making twenty six dollars, there's a di- disincentive for them to go to college and become a nurse and to essentially educate yourself or grow in any educational capacity to reach newer heights. Um, so there, there is that you know dichotomy that can take place as we see um, across the board minimum wage increases. However, we have seen organic wage inflation, and because of the current state of the employment market right now, uh, we will continue to see wage inflation um, for the near-term future. Now, we'll get to the point where we're possibly trying to figure that out now, where we're seeing some um, sectorial shifts in different um, industries in our economy when it comes to hiring and laying off. We, we may be getting to that point where we're rounding out the number and starting the plateau, um, possibly when we get more participants and, and get an increase in that labor force participation rate, then we'll see instead of Americans having two jobs for every American that's seeking a, a position out there, it may be a one-to-one pair rise, a fall to down to a .7 or .6 um, positions open for every individual that's looking. Um, that will stymie that wage inflation and put it in check, and then we'll assist, essentially start seeing um, some normalization in the, the wage you know, rate as it is. Unfortunately, all this is culminating at a time where we had not seen um, significant raise, wage inflation in this economy in nearly 20-plus years. So there is some pent-up demand for higher wages. There is some pent-up demand for a better you know, work-life lifestyle. So all of that is culminating together at the same time, and unfortunately, um, we're going to have to hold on to the horns of the bull and just ride through it and and see where everything is going to shake out. Um, There is no clear picture to say uh, that we are essentially going to hit a reset button across all sectors. Um, We're seeing somewhat of a reset on the tech sector, as as was mentioned earlier, when it comes to employment. Um, And like I mentioned, pairwise correlation. That was the sector that are the area of the economy that did the best and recovery during the pandemic. So it's only natural that you see a little bit of an easing in that area as of now. We're going to take a quick break. We are here with Paul V. Shelton, Jr. of Warwick Shore and Jabir Najir of Rajon Mortgage. We're talking about the housing market and the economy, other sectors. The, and no, you can't call in today. This is pre-recorded. Sorry, but um, another time. Uh, but you can always send me your questions, and we can address them um, in the future. Um, like I'm always willing to pass that along. So, anyway, this is G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment, and we will be right back. Thank <laughs> you.
Does it appear the long arm of the law is working against you instead of for you? Whom do you call when the boys in blue are pursuing you? When the wrong person behind bars may end up being you? With over 40 years combined legal expertise, Anderson and Welch bring to bear a smart, sound, sensible defense of those caught in what may be the unrelenting grip of the legal system. Turn to Anderson and Welch first to get ahead of trouble, not fall into it, by calling 561-832-3386. That's 561-832-3386. That's Anderson and Welch Law Firm online at andersonandwelch.com. Good afternoon. Welcome back to G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Thanks so much for being with us today. We are talking the housing market. We are talking other areas of the economy. We are here with Paul V. Shelton of Warwick Shore, and we are here with Jabir Najer of Rajan Mortgage. And I'm sorry, you can't call in, but you can always send me your questions. I'll be happy to forward them. This is just not one of those days to call in. So um, I wanted to ask basically summertime, uh, Jabir, um, what? How do you? Is this a typical summer as compared to in the past with the housing market, from what you see for, um, in terms of mortgages? No. Um, typically, during the summer, you see a lot more going on because people are moving. Before you know, especially those with families, it's usually the time that a lot of families would like to move if they're not on vacation before and get their children into the new school zones or the new you know situated before school starts. Uh, mm-hmm. Not saying that people are not moving. Uh, that may be happening in the rental market. I don't really deal with rentals, uh, so I wouldn't know right. uh, how much people are moving. Um, people are definitely needing places to live, of course. So I'm not sure how much, how many people are moving from from their current location they may be renting. Uh, however, mm-hmm. when it comes to mortgages, um, yes, it's definitely down. And I think that just comes to what I mentioned before. Everybody's either waiting out the market or they just got priced out of the market. So we'll have to see how things go later on in the year, um, mm-hmm. see how the economy, you know, how everything works out with the economy and where rates go, where prices of homes go as well. True, true. I mean, because – and the thing about it is, I mean, like we talked about wages and dollars and stuff, there's only so much you can get out of $1. It doesn't matter. And you just got to decide – what goes to the, what goes toward eating? What goes toward um, having a house? What goes toward the car and and all that kind of stuff? You know, uh, school coming up. People are probably uh, getting ready for whatever school supplies they might you know need and and other things. I, I ran into a teacher the other day. Um, I was purchasing something on clearance. I saw it a, week, a couple of weeks before. I got a couple of whatever it was. More of that. It was there were some like little little bins and stuff. I saw a teacher. She was filling. Her her basket with these bins and she's like I you know organize got to get myself organized for the school year you know and so she cleaned out the clearance rack of these bins you know and it's a shame you know because the wages aren't necessarily keeping up with the needs for, for schools you know and I'm sure other, there are other areas that are like that as well you know so um, and, and you know now these days I mean most of the part we have two income households it's this still just not meeting the need unfortunately so um i, I think at some point they were going to have to back down in terms of the increase in the price of the housing and, and a lot of other increases they, i think some things are just going to have to be put in check and people are going to also have to put themselves in check i think in terms of not necessarily wanting i mean having to get the the um dream home right away or getting a fixer-upper and making it into their dream home, you know. But there's so many people that you have a hard time convincing uh, to to just not get into something that's moving ready, that they need to get into something that is going to meet their needs right now and then maybe meet their desires later as they, you know, they, they you know take the time to improve what they have. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. I think um, – for me, I still see not as many flips as at one point. We still do see them every once in a while where the buyer is purchasing a home that, you know, investor purchased, fixed up, and, of course, they're selling it for a profit. Uh, so mm-hmm. if the buyer is able to see the vision prior to all those improvements to the home, they could definitely save quite a bit of money. 
Um, of course, mm -hmm. we have both the conventional and FHA uh, rehab loans. So we will actually finance the cost to rehab the property. But as long as you're able to see past whatever you're looking at, um, right. where there's just simple things as far as pain, it could be a new roof, it could be new floors, kitchen, water heater, AC, uh, pretty much anything except for the pool is usually the one challenge when it comes to any type of rehab. Uh, we can't really do any rehabs on pools, just crazy guideline. But if you're able to see past everything else, you could save yourself a lot of money if you run across a home that is distressed and needs some work and hopefully walk into a home with some equity. So if there is a slip in the market, uh, you shouldn't be hit as hard as somebody who purchased at the what the home may be valued at the top of the market, or mm -hmm. you still do see nowadays that um, people are still, in certain cases, not as many as, maybe not as much as last year, still paying above appraised value for the home because people need a place to live. And if yep. there's not a property on the market and you have a spouse and two kids and a dog that need a place to live, sometimes, you know, your hand is forced to move forward. Yeah. So, Paul, now, you know, we've talked a little bit about the housing market, but, I mean, there's other areas right now. The gas is going – it's down right now, but that's still kind of a flaky area. Um, what is driving that? Uh, there's a couple different forces that are driving it. Um, speculation is starting to pick back into it as well, um, not as much as we saw back in 2008 and nine, but it mm -hmm. is – it is a, a part of it. Um, what we have seen, though, recently is, you know, gas is operated and crude oil and all the energy is operated on a true supply and demand construct. Um, right now, demand has been destructed a little bit um, through the pandemic, but it has come back and has roared back um, since about June of 2020. And that's where we see a lot of, you know, the bottom out of energy and gas prices at that time. Um, as of today, what we're realizing is that there is a pullback um, in some of the, the consumption. Um, people are not traveling as much this summer as there was were anticipated. There is some travel out there. Hope, um, uh, I should say there's a, you know been a shortage or it's hard to find rental cars. So hard to, uh, you know, there's a lot of air travel that still takes place, but, you know, that international travel, um, that component is still missing to a certain degree. Um, significant business travel is still missing um, to a certain degree. I've attended some conferences, but I haven't traveled outside of the state, um, which, you know, typically I, I do travel outside of mm -hmm. the state. So there's, and even with some of the conferences that are taking place now, it appears that all of them are offering in-person and a Zoom option, which more mm -hmm. than likely will be the construct that we're going to see going forward. So I think we're we're going to end up in a somewhat of a permanent shift in demand of, of that demand curve on how crude oil is, is going to be consumed. Um, most recently, we've seen supply that has etched up a little bit um, because of the lockdowns that are taking place in China. Um, mm -hmm. The COVID-related lockdowns took a lot of cars and a lot of transportation and a lot of energy consumption off the table. Um, now, we are in a hot summer that uh, we are in the midst of, and it's going to rage on for a little bit more. So as mm -hmm. things start on the other side of the planet when it comes to COVID and those um, lockdowns are lifted off of China um, and we're raging through this hot summer, we could see energy prices, you know, resurge again. But something that we saw take place on Wednesday and Thursday of this week is that crude oil settled below $100 a barrel, which was the first time that that has happened um, in, in about three or four months. Right. A good thing because that does provide a a little reprieve for um, consumers in in total. You know, as I've always said, um, gas is a de facto tax on all citizens of an economy. Becomes something mm. that we just cannot get around. Um, whether we consume it directly or we lean on its consumption by having Amazon deliver something to our house, um, it's just <laughs> something that we we cannot get around, unfortunately. So we are seeing a little little reprieve as of right now, but unfortunately, um, 
it potentially could be short-lived, um, especially if we do have somewhat of an active um, hurricane season. Let me ask you about, because you mentioned Amazon, and I started thinking about shipping and supply chain issues again. Um, are the difficulties that the consumers are having with uh, the, the supply chain issues with with the um, getting stuff, you know, and, and, and or having it delayed and getting there, is that helpful to local economies? It's helpful to local economies if the local economies can deliver upon that demand. Um, unfortunately, many local small businesses that are not um, suppliers and manufacturers all in one are unable to manufacture that chair and sell it in their store at the same time. So they don't have the construct to be able to keep up with the demand that would be coming their way as opposed to the demand that they, they would be losing from um, our garnering, our, I should say cannibalizing from a larger um, competitor. So in essence, you know, some of the common goods um, um, uh, that, that we use, you know, when it comes to, you know, healthcare products, hair care products, and, and things of that nature, if there is, you know, somewhat of a, you know, inability to really, you know, garner those in normal channels, I have seen, you know, people able to find them at farmer's markets and develop substitutes, mm -hmm. substitutes for um, soaps, organic candles, and, and different things of that nature that people mm -hmm. are finding with shopping locally. Um, I do have, you know, there's a, a retail shop that was next to my location, which was a clothing store. Um, the mm -hmm. pandemic has actually helped their business significantly. Um, she was in a mm -hmm. location next to me for seven years, and she just had to move out um, to Winter Garden because she needed much more space. Now, she is one of those that um, manufactures and sells. She makes the clothes. She does, you know, buy a lot of stuff that she that is sold in her store, but there are things that she makes, um, brings in, and she's able to source in-house and provide that, that product, you know, to her, her clients. So the pandemic helped her business grow significantly in that respect um, because she was a neighborhood store that people can go to, um, find those fashions, and be able, you know, to grow. I have an idea I want to run by you and ask you if it's feasible, and that is I, I, what I guess, and I may be using the term incorrectly, but what about a co-op type, type situation where small like businesses could get together and share resources. For example, storage. Let's say you would like to sell more of a product, but you have a storage issue, but you can't necessarily afford um, a large storage facility, but maybe you could go into an with another small business that has uh, you know, a, a product that let's say you all don't necessarily need um, an air-conditioned storage facility, but you need some just a storage facility, and you all could get together and go in on it. I, I just for small businesses, small businesses with limited resources or having to pay more for the materials because they're not buying it in large quantities. Uh, I think this is a way to keep costs down. So I wanted to run it by you and see what you thought. It is. That, that is a definitely definitely a great idea and a way to, you know, control expenses. It's a matter of finding those synergies uh, between two like-minded businesses that will be able to um, strike that agreement and have it flow functionally. Um, as we know, with, with any type of you know, merger, if you were to bring two businesses together that were going that agreed to work together and, and attack the world in sales, um, there's always differences of opinions. And when you have a shared space or co-op space where my inventory is next to your inventory or, you know, go back to the days where you're in college and you have a roommate and you say, hey, that was my uh, lemonade you just drunk, you know, you don't want to run into, you know, some of those situations. But on the inverse, I would say not necessarily with the storage of goods, but also with the, the commonality of services. Um, that is something that is seen in the credit union um, world, and I've been more familiar with that a lot recently, 
But that's something that is known very, very, um, very well in the credit union community, and, and those are called QSOs, and those are credit union service organizations. And many credit unions that we know, such as McCoy, they have a QSO with a few other credit unions. And, and what they do is they get together other like-minded entities, other credit unions, and say, um, you know what, it's not feasible for us to have, um, for example, a, a health care plan um, just for our employees to satisfy this, this, and this. So let's band together with a few other credit unions. Let's pool our resources. Let's develop a QSO that can go out there and be the healthcare arm for all of our businesses. Um, to spell out which doctors our employees can go to, and you know, pay for that healthcare service for them. Um, there's other QSOs out there that you know satisfy uh, more tangible things, such as helping um, small credit unions or financial institutions with compliance auditing, things of that nature, so that it's not all, you know, encompassing or burdensome for one entity. So, you know, you're, you're very correct in, in your line of thinking in that respect. Um, when it comes to the other industries outside of, I guess I would say, the, the banking world, you, you would have to do a little bit more research and understanding on how those particular industries work and, and the ability for each entity to be able to buy into the concept and, and be a, you know, truly fruitful partner. So I, we've only got uh, a limited time amount, uh, amount of time left. Um, I want to go back to you, Devere, and, and ask you, okay, um, you know, what type of things we need to be looking at um, in, in the next month with regards to uh, the mortgage industry and the housing market? Jabir? Oh, did we lose one? Okay, all right. Um, so, because I, I was just, I was blowing through the yes, commercial break. Oh, you're there. Okay, good. Can you hear me? Okay, I think you yes, could hear, hear me. You. Sorry, I think I, was, I may have been muted. Yeah. So, okay. um, yeah, I was saying that. Yeah, the thing that I would suggest to anybody, if they're currently in the market to purchase, you really just have to really pay attention to your particular market. Every market is different. Things are going. Things are going on. The things that are going on on the west coast of Florida are different than what's going on in central in central Florida. So you just mm-hmm. have to really pay attention to your local market and also just be prepared. I would also suggest, as I always have suggested, that anybody go through the process of being pre-approved prior to being ready to purchase a home uh, because you don't want to get into the in the in the just the chance that you are ready to move forward on an opportunity and you haven't prepared yourself to purchase and then you miss out on the opportunity. Now, if you currently own a home, there's a couple of things that you could do. Uh, there's a lot of people who have a lot of economic, understand that interest rates are higher. But the one thing is that a lot of people have actually relied on credit cards to float themselves over from month to month recently, and the credit card debt is mm. at an all-time high. Now, I'm not necessarily a fan, I will say, of continuing to use your home as a tool to eliminate credit card debt because mm-hmm. we do have, I have – experienced clients who have come to me multiple times to pay off the same credit cards over and over again. Uh, mm. so I'm not, I'm not going to tell you away from that, but my thing is to really manage your credit. If you do use your house as a tool to eliminate the credit card debt, whether it's through a HELOC or uh, um, cash out refinance, that consolidation refinance, because you also want to be in a position where I have seen where people end up losing everything because they really, really don't want to refinance their home because everybody tells them don't refinance your home to pay off debt, and then eventually mm-hmm. they're just so overwhelmed with, you know, just month, their monthly liabilities with increasing cost of, you know, just living um, that they lose everything. So you can actually still benefit from refinancing to eliminate that debt, and we're, we're still doing that for people. Some people are saving anywhere between 300 to $800. just depends on how much debt you have. So that definitely is a possi- uh, possible thing that you could still take advantage of, even an increase in interest rate environment. But if you do do that, the one thing I will say is to really manage the debt that you've paid off. I know it sounds crazy to manage debt that you no longer have, but we have seen that many times that people start to rely on the same credit cards that they've actually just recently paid off. Mm. Wow. Okay, some good advice. Paul, a quick question about um, recession, economic downturn. Uh, is, is that is that an actuality? Is that happening? 
You know, one thing that's evident and that's true, all, if you even go back to 1775, I have a chart in my office that talks about economic booms and busts, is mm-hmm. that we're either leaving or heading to um, a recession. So it, the possibilities are always there. It's just a matter of what the timing of that will be. Um, from an economic standpoint, we know the, bar, the bond market has told us um, over the last several days uh, with the yield curve being inverted that we are heading into a recession. But that never tells us the depth of the recession or the width, how long that recession is going to last. And it, it doesn't um, – Essentially, say that we will have a very, very flattish, you know, type of recession. Uh, what I foresee taking place right now, um, if if I were to look into a crystal ball that's filled with a bunch of smoke, would be that the stock market is pricing in a recession right now. Will we necessarily realize it in the economic market? Possibly, but not across all. Uh, wealth classes of the economy, unfortunately. Um, we know that the, the stock market typically is a, a leading indicator for what the economics will, will do in an economy, the same as looking at the yield curve. The long end of the yield curve is typically um, a predictor of where the economy is heading. And as we're seeing that, the yield curve invert is starting to show that we're heading down. We're heading in a downward you know, trajectory. But um, some of the things that you know, the real has pointed out, um, deals with the wealth of America, deals with that home ownership. Those that are, that are able to still buy um, have the capacity to do so. And a recession may not um, be it that it will be a lighter recession if it takes hold, uh, will not affect them in the same capacity that it would affect someone else that was priced out of the market and unable to take advantage of um, a wealth-building tool such as purchasing a home. Um, in this per- potential or particular cycle, I should say. So, will we receive um, a recession in the next 18 months or so? Um, I think the possibilities are are there. Um, the, mm-hmm. Federal Reserve, the Federal Reserve has never engineered a soft landing um, by nature to get to to slow down the economy um, using the Federal mm-hmm. Open Market Committee tools. They're designed to make the con- economy recessionary. Um, so we've mm-hmm. we've never, you know, been able to um, to recess the economy without tasting a recession. Um, mm-hmm. Very similar in medicine. Sometimes, you know, we often, you know, get flu shots, and you know, when you get the flu shot, you get a little bit of soreness from symptoms of the flu. You may not necessarily have the flu. Sometimes you get it full on, but. Mm-hmm you're still getting that medicine. And right now what we're doing is we're taking our economic medicine right now through the Federal Open Market Committee decisions that the Federal Reserve is making. And it is driving the economy towards a recession, but it won't look like what we've traditionally seen as a recession, Um, not like back in in 1987, not like even what we saw in in 2008 and where it's widespread across the board. Okay, so one other real quick thing, because we're going to have to go. Uh, there have been a couple of, uh, I guess, uh, high-profile changes in other countries, and I want to see it, real quick how that affects us. One is uh, Boris Johnson's uh, resignation. The other one was the um, murder of the um, former prime minister of Japan. Can you talk about that real quick, uh, uh, Paul? Yeah, yeah. So both of those are very, very large geopolitical events that are, have taken place. Um, it was a very shocking um, to see uh, about Shinzo Abe's death, and very sad to hear. Uh, he's a big proponent of economics and doing a lot of things to try to drive Japan from the stagflation that they had been suffering for quite mm-hmm. a long time to, yeah. to where we are today. So that. Because he was running for an, an election and trying to be reinstated into power, um, we mm-hmm. won't see as a significant as a blow, you know, to us directly. But it is a blow to um, policy worldwide to to see that things could be taken out in, in this nature, especially in a country that in 2021 mm-hmm. only had 10 homicides by gun acts. So this that's very very troubling. And again, and okay. we see it. But, 
and yeah, and I know we're out of time there. So <laughs> yeah, we're so out much. of time. But we're going to talk about it some more next month, hopefully. Got Will and Jabir and Paul. Thank you so much for taking the time out today, and thank you all for listening. This has been G's Power Hour on Never Had It So Good Entertainment. I am your host, G. Be well, be safe, be blessed. Enjoy your weekend, and please remember, all real power comes from God. Take care. Make it all right. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.